So, this morning I went to court with a gentleman that had asked me to go with him and you know, give him support and been um, kind of counseling with him. And, and uh, the, pa- the courtroom was packed, and some of you know that my tailbone issue is coming back. So, I'm sitting there uncomfortable, and then we were squeezed in. So, I'm up against the wall, and I've got a, a suit coat on or a sports jacket, so I'm real hot. And uh, just feeling like, not hot, like I'm not, like temperature hot, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was trying to get some compliments there, but nobody bid on it, so I just changed it. So anyway, so I'm in there, and I was comfortable. And, you know, you're not supposed to fall asleep in court. The bailiff will actually um, call you out. And I was fighting it so hard, the bailiff would turn around, and uh, I think it was just power suggestion that he wasn't watching, and I start to nod off, and I was trying to. Pretty soon I looked, and, and all the inmates that were in there were watching me nod off, I guess for entertainment. So I had a good start to the morning. But I don't know what it is. When I go with guys, I tell them, say, we're going to be the last one to be seen. If there's 150 people in there, if I'm with someone, for some reason, they are the last person to be seen. And it was near the last today uh, for the guy that I went with. But anyway, so it's been an interesting morning. But uh, I'll share with you one other testimony. And I didn't make it all around the room for everybody's here. So don't. hopefully nobody's offended if I didn't say something nice about you. It's just uh, I have something nice to say to everybody. So you can see me after service, and I'll tell you nice things if you want. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I haven't really been given a lot of updates uh, to our project for our new campus um, because there's been some things that are holding pattern. Um, the uh, bank package that I keep saying we're going to turn in the next week, uh, keep finding things that need to be added, and it keeps growing, and then the rest of my schedule takes over. So all excuses aside, we're, uh, my goal is by Monday to be turning that in. But um, I had a conversation with our engineers today because they've actually had a delay on their end. And... Uh, now they're saying that they may not be able to present our project till the February meeting, which means we wouldn't have approval till the earliest would be April, beginning of April. So that pushes us at least two months behind our last target date. <laughs> so anyway, we're just going to have to pray that God's timing is involved here. I will tell you one thing that happened with that, though, um, where they kind of made up for, their, uh, for uh, what they weren't able to do. Uh, they may have been able to work out a deal for our dirt. Now, the dirt work is actually... the m- one of the most expensive parts. And they think they're going to be able to save us nearly $75,000 in dirt. So that's a big testimony. There, there, There's a guy that needs to get rid of some significant amount, and if it tests out good, they have to test it, make sure it's the right dirt. So you can't just put any dirt out there. And they're going to try to talk him into paying for the test, <laughs> delivering the dirt, sp- spreading it and shifting it for us so it's ready to go, and all, <laughs> all of that for free. So... Um, we're just praying, keep praying that God will uh, work that out because $75,000 is a lot of sound equipment and chairs and tables. So we need to pray about that. Well, I want to get into our, our message tonight. And, uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot about dieting again or fitness, exercise. We, Ken and I, we started out real strong getting a membership. Now I just contribute to other people being healthy monthly. But uh, I do pass by the gym that I used to go to. I still have a membership at sometimes. I look over just to see how many cars are out there and wish them well. I think, boy, I'm proud of those folks. Glad I'm, I'm glad I'm doing my faith promise pledge every month for them. But, you know, we, we think about um, health a lot because really uh, in, in the realm of how we eat in our culture, generally we are unhealthy. Um, the title of the message tonight is the vending machine diet. The vending machine diet. It's a spiritual 
vending machine diet. Because if you look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So this is Jesus speaking from the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Um, each North American, each of us, all of us are, are, all North Americans produce an average of three and a half pounds of garbage per day. Three and a half pounds. Now, back in the heyday of the sustainability efforts of Walmart, when I was there, we started buying, it wasn't really just that, we started buying healthier foods, which comes with less packaging. You know, when you go buy a lot of vegetables, your trash goes down, you know, when you're not buying box dinners and that kind of thing. We got down to where our family, we were half of a trash can full, you know, every week. You know, now it's a lot more than that. But, but we produce uh, three and a half pounds of garbage per day per person. As five million extra tons of trash is produced between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day in the United States. Think about all the wrapping paper and the boxes, the boxes that the kids are playing with instead of their toys that finally go in the trash. And then you got the, the waste generated each year in the U.S. would fill a convoy of 10-ton garbage trucks, 145,000 miles long, over halfway to the moon. Imagine. And someone complained in an email about the amount of, uh, of food being thrown out by Walmart while there are hungry people everywhere. Uh, and after a little research, they discovered that McDonald's does it, say, uh, Subway does it, grocery stores and convenience stores, and fancy restaurants and hot dog stands all produce a lot of garbage. So while people go hungry in the richest of all nations, stores and restaurants are destroying tons of edible food each day in America. I, I made the mistake of watching a documentary on Netflix called, uh, well, it was about rats. What was, someone in here told me about it. Was it you guys? It was about the, the big cities like New York and they got overrun by rats. But the reason is because they if there's food for them to eat, they're going to, they're going to come around. They're going to multiply. And they're videotaping at night how these restaurants would go put tons of garbage out by the... by the And you see these rats poking their heads out of the storm drains, wait until nobody's looking, go in the middle of that trash, and you just see the trash moving. They they were eating a smorgasbord of all the stuff that gets thrown away. According to the United Nations statistics, and the average North American consumes five times more than a person living in Mexico. Now, my, my mind's a little backwards because I, I look at my size compared to the average person from Mexico, and I think, well, that's why I eat more. I, I'm, I'm bigger, but I got bigger because I ate more. And then 10 times more than a person living in China. 10 times more. That's why their cars are smaller there. 30 times more than a person living in India. Hey, I'm being, I'm being politically correct. None of that is racially charged, so don't, don't be taking it there. And then... Since the end of World War II, malnutrition in the U.S. has shifted from trends of undernourishment to overnourishment. In fact, many experts agree that the scale of calorie expenditures versus calorie consumption has simply tipped in favor of consumption. We're just eating far more than we can burn off. So the end result, according to the World Health Organization, is globesity. There's a new one. You know, back when... It, when they talked about harassment, which we in Arkansas say harassment, you know, that's, that's the new global word there, globesity. It's a global ep epidemic of, of obesity that has millions suffering from an array of serious health disorders. 
You know, we joke about it. We joke about eating a lot. But I'm, I'm telling you, we really do hurt our bodies when we overeat. Now, I'll confess, last night when I'd already worked for about 12 hours on that bank package and Nathan came to my rescue at about 7 o'clock when I just got to the 12-hour mark and then we were here till about 11.30 and so we got a Domino's pizza. Well, they got the large carryout special, so why not, right? It's, it's a lot cheaper if you do the large carryout, three toppings. And I could have eaten half and saved the other half for today, but it's there and you're working and you just keep going and next thing you know, I'm feeling sick because I ate that whole large pizza. But we have the best of everything, don't we? I'm mean, I thinking back to Christmas when my family came over. We had ham, we had turkey. Some of you are like, why are you talking about food? I didn't eat before church. But we have so much, right? I, I mean, I'm, one of my favorite things is to get that, uh, uh, borrow that smoker, that uh, rotisserie smoker from the bank down the street and do a big old pork shoulder, right? Where the meat just falls off the bone. But we've got so much. We have the best of everything. Our average local supermarket offers over 200 kinds of cereal to choose from. 200 kinds of cereal. I mean, when it comes to kids, just as long as it has sugar and marshmallows in it, right? Little pseudo-marshmallows, crusted sugar. And then only a very small percentage of Americans know what uh, it really means to go hungry. Uh, you know, when I feel like I'm going hungry is when I, I ate a ton yesterday, but I had to go past breakfast without eating, right? We think we skip a meal and we're going hungry. But in one week alone during November... We will consume thousands of tons of food just on Thanksgiving Day. And unfortunately, we're not only physically spoiled in America, but we're also spiritually spoiled. Every weekend, thousands of Americans. Think about the comparison. You know, in this consumer mentality world, we've talked about this before, but we have all this food, all these things, all these choices, but even when it comes to our spiritual needs, right? Our religious needs. Every weekend, thousands of Americans make the weekly Sunday morning trek to their favorite local house of worship. And there, there's certainly no shortage of churches in this area. And in many cities, it seems that there is a church on every corner, just like ours. We have the best facilities money can buy. Jen and I's old church, when they were around about 10,000 people, they had a Starbucks in it. A Starbucks. And then we have the best facilities money can buy. Powerful sound systems. Audio, visual projection units. I mean... When I went to uh, First North Little Rock, one of the big Assembly of God churches in uh, Little Rock, they had projectors that would make it look like it was an outdoor sky on the walls, and it was actually thundering and lightning during one of the songs. I mean, think about that, what we have to even for worship to God. And some of you, when I put it that way, you're thinking, well, that just doesn't sound holy, right? And I'm not knocking it, I'm just saying we have everything. Some churches have great choirs or worship teams and musical instruments and equipment and the latest choruses. Well-trained pastoral staffs and authors and teachers sometimes on staff. And We've got Max Lucado and Chuck Swindoll and Charles Stanley and Dr. James Dodson and uh, I won't mention some of the others. We have the best teaching material available to that in the Christian bookstores. You can go to the Christian bookstore and spend your whole paycheck on just good Christian books, right? Christian radio stations, KLRC, Bot Radio. What's some of the others? Is there any others? Air One. Air One. And we got Christian television like 24 hours a day on Sky Angel or, or TBN. Christian music concerts. We've got all kinds of Christian music 
And then we've got uh, tons of best-selling Christian books like The Prayer of Jabez and all these. So you just go on and on and on. We've got things like um, Our Daily Bread and churches that have small groups and large groups and, and specific cultural groups. and just goes on and on. Radical youth groups, cool youth pastors, high-tech church websites, newsboys, third day. I mean, you go down the list, we've just really got this, this smorgasbord of choices to feed on, right? And then Veggie Tales, 321 Penguins for the kids. We can't leave them out, right? They've got to have their choices. We've got all. And yet in the church, our marriages are falling apart. Not nearly as much outside the church as sometimes falsely reported. It doesn't equal. But the divorce rate in church is not that far off. Many Christian men, including a large number of pastors, are hooked on pornography. Sometimes even drugs or alcohol, and their congregations don't even know. And we may have a church nearly on every corner, but many of them sit empty on Sunday mornings. Uh, in fact, when I went to be a part of the North Place's um, deal they did where I went down there every six months, one of the buildings they got for her Hispanic congregation, the church that owned that building, now this building originally sat like somewhere like five to 700 people. And the church that owned the building was leasing it to them, but still meeting in there. They met in one little classroom. They had about 12 people left in that church. And the Hispanic church was running hundreds and hundreds of people. But it was their building. They met there, but they rented it out so they could keep their building. Still holding on, right? But there's many churches like that. They're just dwindling, closing. How can Christians living in a culture of such excess keep a healthy spiritual appetite? How can we get and, and stay hungry for more of God? I mean, there's so many comparisons because really what we're talking about is spiritual discipline. And, and I started talking about physical discipline. There's so many similarities. I pass that gym all the time. It's a matter of setting my alarm clock, throwing some clothes in a bag, right, and going before my day starts really here and, and going and exercising a little every day. I've done it before. I know how to do it. I know what it takes, but I don't have the discipline. And so much like in our spiritual lives, sometimes we just don't have the discipline to make the right choices. Well, when we think about the physical aspect in comparison to the, the spiritual aspect, there is one common denominator. One of the first things is eat right. Psalms 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. What are you filling yourself with? One of the rules mom and dads often have in the house, like I've had before, is don't eat a bunch of junk before your, your dinner. It'll ruin your appetite, right? We could have a snack when we got home from school, but that was it. Mom didn't want us filling up on the junk food. Because she knew if we did, we wouldn't have any room left for a nutritious meal. Now, we've got a few junk addicts in our family, and I won't name them, but one of the boys, one of the boys, it's like he can't control himself, you know. He'll want to skip dinner, and then later, like, can I have a cookie? Can I have, can I have a little Debbie? And, and it just drives me nuts because I know that he's, he, he's getting to the point where he can't imagine life without those things. He's getting addicted to that sugar. But we all grew up with some of those parameters, hopefully. So being good moms and dads, they knew that Twinkies and cookies and candy didn't have the same nutritional value as green beans, corn on the cob, which I don't really think has any value, but corn on the cob still tastes good, or salad. <laughs> Stop. And so, you know, that rule not to hurt our appetite 
it really kind of makes us more hungry for, for the right things if we stick to it. So I'll give you an example. When Jennifer and I did a fitness contest one time, we started on a program where it was an eating schedule and a workout schedule, but we took two weeks at the beginning just to start eating the eating schedule and what the selections were uh, until we could get a gym membership or get to the gym. And we immediately started feeling better after that first couple weeks just eating right. And so uh, what was happening is, is after about a month or so, on this program, you got to eat one day a week. You could eat all you wanted of anything you wanted. So we'd go the night before, and we'd get cookies and ice cream, brownies, pizza, all this stuff we'd been eating. I mean, we'd been eating healthy meals six times a day, little portions, you know, all week, and, and feeling better. And then that one day, we're like, oh, we're going to get it all in because we can. You know, we saw all the results of the people that did it, right? Well, they know, they know what they're doing because you only do that so many times, and you feel so horrible you get to where it's like, well, on my free day, maybe I'll just have two pieces of grilled chicken, you know, instead of one portion. And so when you bring that kind of discipline about what you're eating, it begins to change your appetite for better things, much like in the spiritual realm. When, when we begin to feast on God's word and, and feast on the things that are good for us spiritually, we, we start losing our appetite for the things that are harmful, for the junk, for the things that ruin our appetite for the Lord. If I watch a bunch of R-rated movies... I don't want to read God's word where it would convict me about watching the R-rated movies. But once I start feasting on the right things and, and leaving the junk out of my life, it begins to make me hunger and thirst for righteousness. So, when we're kids and mom's making a good roast beef and mashed potatoes or homemade lasagna, the healthy kind, or turkey or chicken and you can smell that i mean you'd come running because you smell that food and you, you know it's going to nourish your body and you feel better and while we have those urges to eat the candy and all the other stuff we also know full welling when we gorge ourselves on that we're not going to feel good afterwards and so in our spiritual lives sometimes we knowingly make the wrong choices knowing that it's going to make us feel awful but we'll do it anyway so you have to make a conscious choice that your your goal is to let god begin to improve your spiritual walk by the choices you make. So, again, the psalmist knew that he what he was talking about when he said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. God is good. And he's always been and always will be the best for us. You can't feast on anything else in life and it fulfill you like God's word and letting his spirit do a work in you. The problem is so many Christians today fill up on spiritual junk food that we aren't hungry for God. That, that's what happens when you come to a church service like we had today where, where, you know, I'm sorry I picked on you. I don't do that too often, so, so give me a little uh, latitude there that I don't turn around and watch you worship. But I turn around and there's some like, oh, happy day, and their, their, their mouth was about to touch their toes, right? Corners of their mouth were so far down. And listen, some of you may be dealing with serious stuff in your life right now heartbreaking stuff and, and i'm not beating on you i'm just saying that that we have to make sure that if we're really focusing on the things of the lord it will begin to make us hunger and thirst for worshiping him for taking in everything he has we will we will want that sometimes we'll read the latest best-selling book cover to cover or the entire sports section of the usa today but we can't seem to get interested in reading the bible 
or we'll sit for hours in front of the TV and, and a TV set and, and complain that it's not enough channels or not the right shows or all that and and we'll wear ourselves out doing the other things and then we just feel so tired and sick and we just can't go to church, right? We can't go get encouraged by the brothers and sisters in Christ because we've worn ourselves out on the other things. We've all got the recipes for spiritual growth right here in the Bible, but we're not hungry because we keep snacking on the worldly junk food. So for the healthy Christian, there's no substitute for the word and prayer. There's no shortcuts for those things that if you want to stay hungry, you have to do. Many of us have no room left over in for God in our spiritual lives because we've gorged ourselves on things like gossip magazines, daytime soap operas. I'm picking on ones that may not affect anybody here, but uh, at least I'm not stepping on your toes too hard. But every day God spreads out a smorgasbord before us and we're not hungry because we've been hanging out at the vending machine of the other people's encounters with God. We're, we're living vicariously through some TV uh, preacher and, and what's going on in their service or, or that revival that's happened in this other part of the country. You know, if I just had time to go there, I'd really connect with God. And so we're feasting on other people's smorgasbord, right? What God's laid out for them. We're, we're living vicariously through all these other ministries. And think when God has placed us right in a spot where he wants us to dig in and, and learn his word and, and begin to let him work in our spirit, he wants to pour out his spirit right here at New Saul. If he moved you to another church, he wants to do it there too. He wants to do it in your life, whether it's at the church service or in your personal prayer time, but God is laying out a smorgasbord of his spiritual, uh, his spiritual food for you. So if there are numb and unresponsive feelings when you're sitting through a worship service or numb and unresponsive feelings when you go to read God's word or when you go to prayer, then begin to look at what you're feeding on. Begin to identify, what are the things I'm filling myself with? Because I don't have an appetite. Um, I hope it's okay that I share this, uh, Dennis. But one of the things that really impressed me uh, about Dennis when I met him is, and I didn't really know until later where he got his hunger for the Lord, uh, for God's word. But Dennis shared with us that he wanted to create a hunger for God's word. And so every time he goes to eat anything, goes to eat a meal, he'd read God's word first until his body and his spirit started associating physical food with reading God's word. And so now he gets hungry for both. Right? Did I, did I express it right? And so he's, he's learned that if he wants to absorb God's word, he has to bring discipline in. He has to create the hunger by being disciplined. And so he associates that with, with physical food. So we just got to quit feasting on the junk food, the things that are ruining our appetite. The second thing is exercise our faith. James 2.14 and 17 says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. I said over and over again, you want to get excited about your walk with the Lord? Witness to someone and see them begin to make a change in their life or someone that follows the Lord, or you see the process, they're starting to hunger for the Lord. It gets you excited. Ken was sharing with me about someone in his life that recently came to him and said, said hey, I, I think I'm missing out on the Spirit of God and, and where I've been worshiping. I, I, I think I need to make a change. And so uh, Ken was excited, and it excites us to see, uh, to see someone else 
being ministered to through us. So if you really want to exercise your faith, you have to share it. Christian comedian Mark Lowry, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he says, he's quoted as saying, I hate exercise. It's too much work. I do one sit-up a day. In the morning, I sit up in bed, that's half. And when I lay down at night, that's the other half. I'm going to start counting those. So when you work hard, you work up a good appetite. I, I love the feeling when I get myself from being lazy, I get up and, and like on a day off, and I'll do, sometimes I do too many chores, and then I ruin my day off because I'm not rested. But when you get just enough that you get a lot accomplished, you, you feel like you've really done something, and then you sit down for a good meal, and then hopefully a nap, right? If you can. But, but there's something very fulfilling about about working up an appetite because you did something productive. And that's what happens in our spiritual walk when we begin to share our faith, when we begin to, to actually use what God is putting in us, it, is we work up an appetite. And so we want to feed more on the things of God. And when we do, we just feel satisfied. So, but when you work hard and burn up calories, your body gets hungry. James says, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Your faith, what you talk about, the fact that you go to New Song or you go, you know, you do this or that in your walk or, you know, you may, you may be proud of something that you feel like you do for the Lord. But if it's not accompanied by action, it's dead. Oh, I just want God to use me. I want God to use me. And you say that for 10 years, but you never step out in faith that he's going to and put yourself in a situation where he can use you. Then that faith is dead. Missionary of China said this, Faith is like a muscle which grows stronger and stronger with use, rather than rubber which weakens when it's stretched. A lot of American Christians, if we stretch them, they might break. Our marriages are breaking, our emotions are breaking, our commitments are breaking. And Why? Could the reason be because we come to our churches and sit around like uh, spiritual couch potatoes? I actually had a pastor that I reached out to to talk to about, um, you know, I've just been trying to glean from anybody I think that have any experience I could glean something from to go through this uh, this building project for our future campus. And, and this pastor told me, he said, now be really careful about getting into too much debt because, you know, church folks around here, they're real finicky. Now, I'm not saying this to, to try to make anybody feel anything, but this is exactly what he said. He said, you know, they get upset about one little thing. They'll go to that church, they'll go to that church, and they don't think about the fallout of what happens when they leave. He said, don't get in debt because, you know, they just go. And I think I think I, I feel bad for that pastor because I'm, I'm like, well, if it all depends on pe the people and not on God, then I, we better not start one, right? We better not start a building. Um, I, I'm leaning on God. I mean, I love you all, and I do trust you, and I do lean on you in certain areas, but I, I'm telling you, we got to lean on God for this. But we do get so spiritually sick and malnutrition because our commitment level sometimes is just until I don't, I'm dissatisfied with where I'm at and until it doesn't tickle my fancy or it doesn't meet what I thought uh, my needs were at the time. Some are even church surfing from one place to another, but in reality, many Christians never do anything with what they know. In a recent survey conducted by the Assemblies of God, a majority of Christians in America admitted they hadn't witnessed to one person in the course of an entire year. 
They hadn't shared their faith once in an entire year. Now listen, th- this is one of those messages where um, you came on a night that's generally considered like an oasis in the middle of your work week, right? You're coming to be encouraged, and you're coming to leave here feeling better. And some of you are like, you're not doing a very good job of that right now, Pastor CJ. You're, you're laying on an uh, extra helping of guilt with all this food talk. But don't you want to actually do what you say you're living to do? Wouldn't it be satisfying to actually take what God has been instilling in your life and actually use it for something, right? I'm not making assumptions that maybe everybody in here has been. Maybe everyone in here has been sharing their faith. And I trust and hope it is. That would be great because we would really break all the statistics just in this one church uh, if everybody was. But, but the reality is statistics say that a lot of Christians are hiding out feeling guilty because they haven't been to the gym. I mean, they haven't been witnessing, right? They haven't been exercising. They, they've been paying their tithe and they've been paying their offerings so that other people can be healthy, right? That's great because that's missions, right? Missions, we're paying some money because we won't go to China, but someone else who, who God has helped them lose their mind and go out of their comfort zone, right, and go to China. I'm like, uh, God would have to, I would feel like I lost my mind if I want to go to China. But, but others, like my wife, she, that, she'd be ready. God, send me to China. That'd be awesome. You know, so, so we do that, and that's okay, and that's healthy, but many times we okay ourselves for not, being missionaries on our own mission field because we gave an offering towards someone else doing it. Right? We're paying that gym membership to someone else who exercise our faith. We're, we're, we're driving by, right? We're driving by the church saying, oh, God, bless, bless all those cars there. Um, I wish I could go to church today, but, you know, I really committed to going and watching the game at somebody's house, and I just won't have time to get there if I go to church, you know, or that. But, but I gave my money, so there's still good stuff going on there. I contributed, God. I'm paying for other people to be spiritually healthy. I may pick on something just a little, and I may get in trouble for it later. But it's, it reminds me of frustration we had with an extended family member one time that was giving their money to a TV evangelist, which everybody else in the family was pretty much sure was crooked. you know. And, and, and the whole thing is we raised that you put back into the storehouse the place that's ministered to you, right? And so you can you could say, well, I watched that show and they, they ministered to me, but, but it's like I had someone in my family, this minister, say, uh, has that pastor ever been to the hospital to visit you when you're sick, right? Ha, ha, have you, anybody in that church, have you actually had Bible study with them? Have you really walked life together? And so we, we tend to just give ourselves an out by we contribute with our finances or, or our our time here and there, and we think we've done our job. But our real job is to go and make disciples, to exercise our faith. We in our churches, we demand, say, feed me. Pastor, I'm going to have to go somewhere else. I'm just not getting fed here. But are you exercising your faith? Maybe it's not that you're not getting fed. Maybe you're no longer hearing it right anymore because you're not craving the things you should be craving because you've been filling your mind and your heart with things that are ruining your appetite. I'm not claiming that I'm the best preacher. I'm just saying that Lord's helping me. And I know, I know when he gives me a message and buries it in my heart, and I know when I'm passionate about it that the Holy Spirit's working. So I know even though I'm not well 
equipped or feel like that, I know the Holy Spirit still uses God's word whether I'm good at it or not. And so sometimes it's just the problem is our appetite. We fill it up on junk. I kind of cringe sometimes when I hear people say, hey, I want to go, go hear this, this preach or whatever. And I know from their, I know from their teachings that there are some very, uh, very questionable problems with their doctrine. But, but it sounds good. It's exciting. They, they really get me excited. But we often gobble up things just because it's fast, it's hot, and it's ready. Just like McDonald's, I can go through the drive-thru on my TV and get a quick hot meal, no matter if it's going to make me fat and sick and dead, right? We've got all the workout gear. We've got our spiritual Nikes. We're like some guy who joined the health club and went out and bought all the expensive cross-trainer shoes, the new shorts. You know the guy that comes in and the stuff that you're like, nobody should wear that. Guy, come on. Even if you had the body for it, please don't wear that. I can't unsee that. I can't scrub my eyeballs good enough. Please don't, right? But in the spiritual realm, we've got all these things. We put them on, you know. I, I've got my uh, Bible that has concordance and every commentary all packed into one. And it's, and it's even got uh, a screen in the back so you can watch YouTube during the service, right? It's got everything. I mean, we've got all the doodads to make ourselves look healthy. We've, that, we've sat through several sessions on how to use all the different places of workout equipment and uh, can tell others how to use the equipment and we can even stand by and look like we know what we're doing. And some of us even think we know more than the trainers. But we never do anything. We've never actually, we're never actually getting exercise. Our biggest workout of the week was coming to the gym on Sunday. So if you want to get hungry and stay hungry for God, you've got to take your faith out of the church on Sunday and give it some exercise during the week. You've got to. Man, I sat in court and watched over 100 people just like laundry, running through a laundry machine. They were just going through before the judge and it was quick and man, they were rattling off all the, the, the terms and the things that the judge was giving them and resetting trials and these people's lives are just getting months and months of waiting to find out what horrible thing might happen to them and they've made mistakes and I'm thinking... Just in that courtroom alone, if everyone at New Song picked one to chase after and share the gospel and try to make a difference with them, we wouldn't even, we wouldn't even meet all of them. We've got to average 120, 130. That's with the kids. A lot of times we've got 80 to 90 adults. And that court meets multiple times a week, day in, day out, year after year. All these people, there's so much turmoil in their lives. It's hard to stay hungry for God when we don't ever attempt anything that makes you need Him. You've got to obligate yourself. You've got to get out of the, th uh, the thinking that we're too busy, we got this or that. We've got to take the excuses out of it and just say, you know what, I either got to do this the way the Lord planned it or I need to do something else. We need to be hot or cold or He'll spew us out of His mouth. The third thing is work out with Jesus. Now I've joked, people have talked about being a workout partner with me and I warn them, you know, tell you, I don't like to talk much. In fact, I like to listen to my music. I like to come in, I do it, and I need to be in and out. Because if I start lollygagging around, that's my term, lollygagging. I, I hear that. It's like Tim Hawkins says. I mean, gagging on a lollipop, that's an awful sight. But, but lollygagging, people standing around just talking, you know, and 
I lose momentum because the thing is, I take up too much time of my day. I didn't get enough benefit. And the next day, I'm like, there's that guy that's going to want to talk to me the whole time. And then you're trying to figure out how to avoid them, right? And it's just becoming meaningless. You're, you're just going for the wrong reasons. It, it doesn't even feel like it's your fault, but you're going for the wrong reasons. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Listen, some of you need to make changes about who you're working out with. Some of you need to make changes about who you're working out with. They may be a Christian, but they may have no intent on exercising their faith, and they're pulling you right along with them. You need to get around people that will encourage you to share your faith. Remember the litmus test I told you before? You want to know what a believer is without judging whether they're a believer or not? But a pretty clear indicator is do they like to talk about the things of the Lord? Does it just roll off their conversation? Now listen, I may be getting into some dangerous territory because some of you are doing an assessment right now. When I run Pastor CJ, did I talk about motorcycles or this or that? or did I, You know, but think about it. I, I learned that lesson some years back when there was a guy who wanted to be a part of the, the Bond Slaves Motorcycle Ministry. And, and you know, he, he, um, he could talk, the talk as far as motorcycles and all that. And he said he was a believer and he told how he accepted the Lord and all this. And, and he had this teenage son that lived with his mom they were separated and and uh she said he was being so much trouble um and wanted him to come stay here with him and he was just dread and said no i'm gonna if I, if I have trouble with him i'm gonna say right back i mean he's just already this boy came to our youth group and he was quiet but one of the best behaved boys i'd seen and i don't know what he did when he left church but he seemed to be very curious and you know he ended up accepting the lord and when and here's how it happened he rode his bike to the church. He walked in. He just didn't normally do that. He rode his bike to the church. He came to my office and started talking to me and basically expressed that he wanted to serve the Lord. And I prayed with him and accepted the Lord. So what does he do then? Gets on his bike, goes back to his neighborhood and talks to the boy down the street. Tells him. He brings him back same day. And I lead his friend to the Lord. So as awesome as that was, guess what? When the dad came back and I started telling him, I was like, your son, except the Lord, your problems are, are being answered. You know, I mean, God's answer. And his friend, he changed the subject. He didn't want to talk about that. And I thought it was a little odd. But you know what? God started showing me then. That he'd be very careful about who I closely associate with. Not, not that I won't talk to the sinners and go to the tax collectors, right? I won't you go to the prostitutes and your witness and all that. But, but who, you, you, who is around you to encourage you and spur you on to minister? They'll talk about the things of the Lord because they're feasting on the things of the Lord and it's making them hungry and they want to talk about food. How much do I like to talk about food every day? A lot. <laughs> I create my own appetite because I talk about it. We've talked about food in this message. I guarantee you I'll go home and I'll be right in the fridge because I talk about food so much. And that's what happens when we talk about the things of the Lord. It creates more hunger. We're like, I got so encouraged in talking to Ken or, or Danny or, or Janae or... or Chase about the Lord. You know, uh, Chase, we didn't really say, but I knew Chase's grandpa before uh, I even met Chase. I worked with him on the flooring out at uh, the, the boys' ranch, the Teen Challenge. And um, I just really appreciated his grandpa because that was a stressful thing for a lot of people out there. 
And he was just so even keel and such an encourager. And we would get together before I'd start, and there would be people buzzing around. So let's stop and pray. And we'd pray. And his grandpa was one of the first ones to come up and be ready to pray, right? And so I learned that I wanted to stick close to him. And I did. And God knew what he was doing. You know, Chase is here, and we had that connection. And, but, but you have to be careful who you're around. What kind of appetite are they giving you? I've had times where people come to me and say, oh, if you knew what that person did when they're not at your church. I'm like, maybe they're a baby Christian. Everybody's in process. I usually shut that down and say, you know what? I don't need to, you know, unless it's something really immoral that's causing somebody harm or anything. But if you're just, if you're just expecting them to be perfect because they've come to church. But, but you still have to be careful who you're being very close with. So when you work out, you want to work out with someone who will push you uh, past what you thought you could do. When I go to the gym, I like a workout partner where we communicate without saying a word. We can communicate by pointing, your turn, your turn. I'm done with my rep. Go ahead. I got the headphones on. And you're just busting through, and I get encouraged about that. And so I like to be around Christians who aren't going to dilly-dally and and play around, but they're going to be the real deal, and we're going to work for the kingdom together. And it's go time. I, we can have fun. There's times we relax, but we can't relax all the time because there's people dying and going to hell every day. Many professional athletes hire personal trainers during the off-season. Why? To push them to be the best they can be. Some of us need to quit uh, spending all our money on the Christian books. I mean, I'm not saying all of it, but maybe cut back a little and maybe start taking someone out to dinner or coffee once in a while that could mentor you who seems to be walking very close to the Lord and you, uh, you really see a lot of Jesus in them and that they're exercising their faith. Some of us need some trainers. Unless you have a strong personal discipline and, and a high pain threshold, you won't push yourself as hard as you need in order to have the competitive edge on the field or court. You need others who can push you. In the off-season, when you're not playing every day or every week against competition, it's like we haven't had a baptism here in so long, it drives me crazy. Every week, I'm like, Lord, I just, I'm ready for someone else to get saved. I, I, not for numbers' sake, not just because we're having baptism, but that means people are making decisions to publicly follow Christ. I, I, I was so excited. I just thought we'd never stop having baptisms. We got that horse trough out almost every week, and we'd even flood the sanctuary, and I'd be like, I'm still good with it. You know, we may run the carpet. We're going to have people saved, right? We all get lazy and slack off the things we should be disciplined out at. You'll find out you're not as in good a shape as you thought you were sometimes, and you're, you're measuring yourself against the wrong standard, and a personal trainer keeps you in tip-top shape, and they get you in your face, and they push you to do more, and they reach down and say, suck it up, right? Put on your big boy pants. Save the drama for your mama and push, right? <laughs> Can't afford the luxury of a quitter. The only easy day was yesterday. You keep going. But you need those kind of things being said in your life in the spiritual realm. That you, you need to be a fighter. Come on, man. You think the Apostle Paul doesn't work harder than this? You think you're going to win rushing for the title, slacking off like that? You need other believers talking to you like that. You think the Apostle Paul was whining like that with people dying and going to hell all around him? No. Boil me in oil. I don't care. Easy day right? 
So I challenge you to work out daily with Jesus. He'll push you. He knows what it means to be a champion. He's been to the cross. He, he's defeated death, hell, and the grave. He knows what it takes to win daily confrontation with sin. He expects greatness out of you. He wants the best for you. He is the best trainer there is. He'll put other trainers in front of you because we're all weak and we need someone we can see, right? When he doesn't appear to us. He'll train you to see the world differently. He'll push you past your own selfishness to see the needs of the people around you, to understand the pain in their hearts, to, to love the unlovable, to see the value in every life. Recently, Jen and I met with someone who's going through uh, uh, an incredible long period of uh, nearly like Job. I mean, it just I can't, I can't imagine going what they're going, they're going through. And, and I could feel the Holy Spirit literally breaking my heart and feeling what their heart was feeling. I, I can't be in their shoes, but through the Holy Spirit, you can feel it. And I just felt this crushing feeling. And my eyes began to well up. And I, I told Jen later, I said, I could literally feel the pain in their heart. See, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he'll send the Holy Spirit to do that. Where you can't have the compassion because you just can't understand what people are going through. The Holy Spirit does it. When, when you want to share your faith, you're like, I don't know what to say to them. Their lives are so much different. The Holy Spirit will give you the words. He'll, he'll give you the feelings in your heart. He'll bring it. He'll develop a hunger for the things of God in you. And you'll begin to feel his passion for the lost. And he'll breathe the power of the Holy Spirit into you and make you more than a conqueror. You'll, you'll never be the same. So the, the thing we have to ask ourselves, what do we say? Are we up for the challenge? I, I think back to an example I've used before. And Ralph Mascaro, he's in his 80s now, but he was in competed for 1951 Mr. Mr. USA bodybuilding. And he still is training people out of a little gym on his property. Over there, if you ever go on 12 off Rainbow Curve and you go in, there's like all these walnut trees. It looks like a big orchard. And it used to have a sign to Circle M Farms. That's Ralph's place. And, and Ralph is the one that got me uh, minded towards sports and physical training because I was a couch potato. M my goal for the day was come home and make the biggest plate of nachos with the government cheese and the jalapenos, right? <laughs> you know, uh, I, I want to make this big old big plate of, of nachos and watch TV. That was my goal for the day. And so someone came into my life that had, had conquered, who had seen what it was to push yourself and discipline. And he sees me working out and says, hey, let me, let me help you with that. No, 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 I'm good. I just want to listen to my music and, and move this machine and hope something happens, right? And it literally changed the course of my life because he invested in me. But you've got to eat right. Stop snacking on the junk food. Don't spoil your appetite. Save room for the good stuff. And taste and see that the Lord is good. You've got to exercise your faith. You've got to work out with Jesus. He is the best workout partner. So here's the thing. I've been feeling this stirring that, that something's got to break loose at New Song. We, we, we've got to, before God is going to entrust us, we're, we're making great strides to put ourselves in this position to build a new campus that right now it's going to take a miracle to pay for, right? And, and I know that's probably the wrong thing to say. I've been listening to all these things that says you need to help the people feel like you can, you're the guy that can help them see through this, right? I'm telling you, I'm scared to death, all right? But we're going to move from 88 seats to 250 seats. And my question is, how are we going to fill those seats? Are we expecting they're just going to come? That, that God is going to entrust us with more space? 
and we don't have to do anything to fill it. Right now is the time to run and push and train and be disciplined. And, and it's not a, a matter of a lot of hard work. I mean, when it comes to down to it, Jesus is just saying, if you'll just step out in faith and say, I'm available, you use me, my experience is he provides everything else. You know? He gives you the spiritual Nikes and the cross trainers and all that stuff. He gets you equipped. He prepares you. Uh, he helps you with the, the armor uh, that you'll need to fight the enemy. It just comes down to it. How desperate are you? How hungry are you for it? And that comes from what we eat, what we do with what we eat. So let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for tonight and the message you brought to our hearts. God, that uh, while it may have sounded like a uh, infomercial on fitness, God, we know your word. Uh, there's so much we can draw from your word that, that we see in other parts of our lives. And Lord, sometimes our physical health, we treat ourselves and our bodies as badly as we do our spiritual self. Lord, we neglect it. We eat a bunch of junk. We fill up on stuff that is bad for our spirit and going to cause us to not hunger and thirst for you. And God, we pray right now that we need to make a clean break. God, we need to flip the switch and, and begin to train. And Lord, realize that we've got a big task ahead. There's a race. There are people in Centerton, Lord, that are in those courtrooms every week. There are people in Centerton, Lord, that are going through divorces. There are people in Centerton, there is abuse and neglect and things going on in their homes that nobody would ever guess. There are people who are simply just disconnected from a body. They've been hurt in another church setting, and they just need someone to show them that they can have hope, that they can be a part of a body and grow and be nurtured. Lord, help this core group. Help those that come faithfully on Wednesday to, to, to pick up that torch, God, to be ready to, to do the exercise, to, to feed on the spiritual things that will cause them to hunger for you we just thank you for it in jesus name amen amen i just challenge you think of someone when you leave tonight when you go home i want you before you go to bed i want you to think about someone who you you are certain does not know the lord but you see on a regular basis and i want you to just let this message and god's word begin to soak in as you think about that person and just be willing. God's going to create the opportunity. He will stir you up because he'll create a divine appointment for you to share your faith with him. Some of you sat in enough church where you think, I, don't, I can't always recall chapter and verse. The Holy Spirit will help you too. He'll amaze you how much you've actually retained. You've got to trust him. He'll do it at the right moment. So that's my challenge to you. Let's see God begin to bring a harvest in through us. It's not just people walking through the door, which we love, to come visit New Song. Maybe just believers trying to find a church, but God has brought us back to a time of harvest where we see people being saved every week. Amen? Love y'all. God bless you, and fellowship as long as you want tonight. And men, I'll see you on Saturday.